This episode is powered by Poddex. let you know that this episode of Talkin' Pop is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster like me and Biko, looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you want to check out poddex.com. Make sure to use that promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations, you know, ask questions, um, or simply, you know, gamify their podcast. You simply show up, shuffle up, uh, sorry, shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Once again, that's poddex.com. Make sure you use that special promo code, TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. So let's get you to your regularly scheduled broadcast. Hey everybody, um, welcome, happy Tuesday, it's time for Talkin' Pop, it's the podcast of all things pop culture, I'm your host, The Fonchise, of course, joining me is my co-host, my brother, Biko. And right now, guys, we just, like, right now we're still catching up on Cobra Kai, so we still haven't finished, don't worry, we'll have a review, but so far, I think we're left on, what, episode 8 or something was the last one we just saw right now? So we got two more episodes to go, and so far, my impressions so far are, uh, not, you know, look, get me wrong, I'm excited for this third season, you know, it's one of those shows, and we remember we did a podcast on the first two seasons of Cobra Kai, you know, because it's one of those very few reboots, reboots or continuations that actually is working, but so far, it's been like, well, I don't know, it's like it's kind of deriving on cliches almost. But I do like for a fact so far that it's more the kids than the adults a little bit. So kind of like the yeah, the bit. focus is more like shift was more on the kids themselves and their like struggles. I like how they like don't make that the main theme of the of like of the kind of the 
the vibe they go for with the oh it's funny to point out the things that age didn't age well <laughs> like they don't stick to just that it's like it's in the air it's like the elephant in the room they, they but they use it to their advantage so like though if they use like the 80s tropes cause, like they, they still want to carry johnny lawrence as being this guy from like in, like encino man like he just woke up so <laughs> he still is in the 80s but <clears throat> i'm glad they're giving him more progression as we go and see how we didn't binge watch it right away, but this show is easily pretty bingeable just because of how, how uh, for the runtime it doesn't feel like it's. It feels like you get a, a pretty fully fleshed episode for only like thirty to forty minutes, which is not bad. I mean, for shows like that, kind of it, it works, except for like you know other shows where you want that long format. So kind of like, well, it gives you more time. Gives you more time. Versus, like, you see shows, for example, Mandalorian, where something, to me, it's more like a film. Yeah. And, but those episodes felt kind of fast. But here, it kind of makes more sense, because it's slowly progression. I do like, for the fact, so far, is we get more character progression, more backstory to, like, characters, you know, we saw in the films first that didn't get enough backstory. Mm-hmm. So, that's why I do, like, get the, the development with, you know, John Kreese so far. You know, I want to spoil for you guys right away, but, it, I mean... It does have some kind of tropes when it comes to, you know, will he, her, she, will he or will she, you know, intention, you know, stuff going on, like romance and stuff. And then, you know, like like you said, you know, Jai Lawrence still on the past. He's still catching up to the current times when it comes to technology and stuff. I mean, he's learning, guys. You know, he's learning. Slowly but surely, yeah. Slowly but surely, like, you know, I could imagine you guys got parents at home that you probably had to help them like set up like their smartphones or something like that too so it's like this little bonding moment they have for the sensei and the student um but i mean for for what it is yeah it's 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 gonna be at least in the future of how i want to say i'll make a prediction i feel like a lot of these like if this was on tv I could see it as being a sitcom for NBC if they ever went... Like, say Netflix didn't exist. Or, like, for instance, we haven't... Like, streaming entertainment hasn't been carried off yet. So, say we're back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Right? People are still ordering Netflix, but it's just a male home movie service that we remember from what it was in the early 2000s. And a, bitter, a better part of the late 90s, too. But, um... Say that... This this could easily be on um, NBC. I mean, aside from some of the jokes, because they do swear and all that, which is nice. It makes it seem more real into what the universe is. Uh, it's like the, it, the the show looks like everyone has fun, knowing that like they live in such a campy type of universe. No, it's like the, like the fights, the choreography is oh, really good. Oh, yeah. it's very campy and, and like, but they they're fully aware of it. So I I feel like that's why the characters do a good job of getting into like their roles for what it mostly is. But it's like they they didn't use it too much to where it makes it feel like oh great we got a reboot and they're not really trying. Like this is they they blend it well so where they don't take themselves too seriously, but they're also able to like progress a show that could kind of be challenging for people. Like, or to to still be, you know, eye-catching for people to keep watching. Because there's so much you can watch nowadays. That that's mainly what you have to go for. Um, if this was on ABC, I don't know if it would have the same uh, cultural impact that it would on Netflix. Because mm. this is a total NBC sitcom. I can see it happening. It's just they would have to play it more safe because it's on the network. 
Yeah, I mean, with this, like, being, you know, it's, like, it's on Netflix, you know, they can do so much they can. It's on the streaming service, so, you know, they're not bound by network standards and practices that much. I mean, there's much they can push. I mean, I know, like, over the years, TV has been slowly but surely allowing certain things on the air, but still, they still have to watch, you know, how much they can push the envelope, so to say. But it's like, I don't know, like, nowadays now, people are more drawn to streaming services than, like, local television. That's why, like, we see, or they just wait the next day to watch the new episode or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we're here when it comes to Cobra Kai so far. Like I said, so far it's been doing well. But I mean, having a third season, you know, being backed by Netflix, having a bigger budget so they could do more before it was on YouTube. So, and plus with Sony Pictures, you know, the original writers for the Cry Kids, you know, with movie series behind it. Like I said, we said in the previous podcast episode about Cobra Kai, it's, like I said, one of those very few reboots that do work. And it's still getting received, but people, people who grew up watching the Karate Kid films, and also the new generation who the parents are introducing their kids, you know, the something they grew up on the eighties on. Mm-hmm. So you know, for the folks, it's hitting the nostalgia factor. But like what I like so far the season so far is that the kids are being the more focused because, like I said, they're the ones who are carrying the show right now. It's like, yeah, you got Daniel Russo, yeah, you got Johnny Lawrence, they're still there, but at the same time, it's like it's more on the kids themselves, like the character development for the kids. Because, I mean, they're trying their best to carry that torch, you know. At the same time, you know, John Lawrence and Russo, now you got John Kreese in there. So, it's like you got their, their influences, basically. Mm-hmm. They're all influencing them now based on their actions. Based on what they're being taught. And what philosophies they're being, you know, given as well. In different styles. And, like I said, I do applaud the choreography on that show. It's really smooth. It's not campy, like you said. Like you say, Biko, it's like it's not like the campiness of it. It's really more fluid, more like realistic. No, I said it is campy. It is campy, but it, the 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 choreography is really good. I do like for the fact they do add some like MMA style grapples and stuff in there just to diversify it mm-hmm. to give you like the different sense of different styles they're being taught, you know. And you know, like I said, so far, like we're like I said, we're two episodes away from the finale, and of course, there's a season four plan, so we we'll have to wait and see when that happens. But like I said, we'll talk that more once we finish up the series watching and then we'll get like a full in-depth review. But so far, I'm liking it. I mean, I'm not finding any complaints so far. I like the development so far with the characters so far. And then you get like, like I said, within the course, you get more inside background on the other characters from the movies more as well. So definitely check it out, guys. Cobra Kai right now. All three seasons are up on Netflix right now, so definitely check it out. Like I said, me and Biko will do an episode later on where we do an in-depth review of the season three in general. We're going to see what we like about what we hate about. But like I said, first impression so far, like I said, I don't want to give it away, guys. Because I want you guys to check it out. I know it's been, what, a few weeks now since it's been out. But I want to give you guys time to check it out and before, you know, we give our opinions on it. Um, other than that, um, today... Of course, you know, today I we'll probably do like a lot of new stuff. There's like not really something want to any special talk want to focus on, so we'll probably pick out some headlines today. But I do want to know if you live in the U.S. and our international listeners, as we know, the new regime is supposed to be sworn in tomorrow. So finally, you know, I don't want to sound political, but finally, the rage of the hair is coming to an end. <laughs> the reign of the hair, or el pelo. It's coming to the end, so Trump is finally going down, and of course Joe Biden is taking over. Starting tomorrow, he'll be sworn in. Of course, you know with the actions that happened in the Capitol a few weeks ago, 
Apparently, security's gonna be super tight. Mm-hmm. What I do like for a fact that I just read, I think some, well, some one of our friends online on social media, she posted that um, Justice uh, Sotomayor is gonna be swearing in um, Camilla Harris. Mm-hmm. She'll be swearing her in, swearing her in for the vice because she's the first female vice president in history. So that, that's a cool thing. So I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Something new, something fresh, you know. But like I said, you know, it's been up and down years for guys. I know the, the coronavirus right now is still hitting hard, especially with right now with this new variant stream strain of it. Like another variant of the coronavirus. So like I said, this is a virus that evolves. There's a DNA. Um, DNA coding and stuff. So right now, like UK, it's putting restrictions. Um, Portugal apparently was shutting borders down. Japan itself is going to stay emergency again. So it's like a big damper. What's going to happen to the Olympics? Because the post-Olympics are still planned. But they haven't said anything yet so far. They're still showing like promos. of it happening this summer. And of course, you know. What's going to happen to the anime industry? But so far, I've seen so far, there hasn't been any reports of any delays in anime production as of yet. Um, so, and so far, it's been January has been a home few months of, few weeks of new anime debuts. And I will get into anime in a little bit. Um, but so far, it's not slowing down production-wise when it comes to anime. So, that's still going strong, you know. I say tell people to still be safe, you know. Um... And one thing I did come across here right now, apparently Funko is doing like an exclusive for Valentine's Day, and they just released a screenshot of Star Wars Valentine's Day style Funko Pops, and I just pulled it up right now from comicbook.com, and <laughs> uh, yeah, they really went out. With the with the whole Valentine's Day, oh, just turned in pink. Yeah, pinkish red. See, you got a choice of regular Yoda. Sorry, guys, no baby Yoda, no Grogu. Um, you got R- I'm guessing it's R two D two. You got Chewie, Stormtrooper, and of course Vader. That's weird. And they're holding the each holding a box of uh, Valentine's Day chocolates. So hey, that could be something for your significant other if you're into that. In Star Wars. That'd be a cool gift to give. I mean, if they're both into Star Wars. Yeah. That's helpful, but... Yeah, not my, not my cup of tea. I don't... See, they just pinkified everything. And it's like... And I like... I, don't, I like pink. I don't mind that color. It's just... It, it, literally, the whole thing is pink. Like, eh. I, I get the gesture. It's just not... Not my thing. I just don't understand that. No. No. That's a pass on me. And I like Funko. Some some ideas should have never been, you know. You don't have to make every. What do they say? Not all ideas are good ideas. Um. But that, God. That's the thing. Like, I'm sure you're gonna see those a lot in conventions when if they ever happen. Look at that. I just came. I come across something. Now we're talking about USA. I don't know who's staying this, but. Oh, it's from the New York Times. Okay. Uh, there's a headline in the New York Times that says... Uh, the article. There we go. Um, U.S. says China's repression of the Uyghurs is, is genocide. <coughs> what? 
Yeah. The Uyghur people that over there in China who are, they're basically Muslims, and the Chinese people, like the regime, have they essentially round them up and put them in concentration camps. Oh my god. So they can cleanse them of their shirt. And they're just, they're just killing them. Yeah. So they'll make them do work and then, like, try to get them to not, to be secular, basically, and not believe in their faith. And it's pretty bad. They're doing experiments on them and stuff. Wow. Oh, wow. It says the finding by the Trump administration is the strongest denunciation by any government of China's actions and follows the Biden campaign same with the same declaration. Um, oh, so this is from the State Department. So the State Department declared on Tuesday that the Chinese government is committing genocide and crimes against humanity through its wide-scale repression. And remember, this has been going on for almost two years now. <laughs> so it's 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 them saying it on a, as like a as a national statement, and they're like they're only countries ever even speaking out to this. The whole world knows it's going on too. It's a wide-scale repression of the Uyghurs and other mostly Muslim ethnic minorities in this northwestern region of, uh, shit, Xinjiang, including in its use of internment camps and forced sterilization. Isn't that messed up? The move is expected to be Trump's administration's final act on China, made on its last full day and is the culmination of a years-long debate over how to punish what they consider Beijing's worst human rights abuses in decades. Relations between the countries have deteriorated over the past four years, and new finding adds to the long list of tension points. Foreign policy officials and experts across the political spectrum in the U.S. say that China will be the greatest chance for any administration for years or even decades to come. Yeah. I believe this genocide is ongoing and that we are witnessing the systemic attempt to destroy uh, Uyghurs by the Chinese party state, Secretary of State. Uh, Mike Pompeo said in a statement adding that the Chinese officials were engaged in the forced assimilation and eventual erasure of, of a vulnerable ethnic and religious minority group. Um, the, state, the determination of atrocity is a rare action on this part of the State Department and could lead to the United States to impose more, uh, let's see, impose more sanctions against China under the new administration of President-elect Joseph R. Biden Jr., who said last year through a spokesman that the policies by Beijing amounted to genocide. Other nations or inter international institutions could follow suit in formally criticizing China over its treatment of its minority Muslims and taking punitive measures. See? And that's why I get back to saying, like, oh, so now that America's saying it, now the countries are all going to go back and fall in line and be like, yeah, we, you know, we're witnessing straight up genocide. They've, they've been saying this for years already, what's going on. And so once, now that, like, Trump's out and then Joe's going to go in, now it's, what, we're going to start a war in China now? Like, fuck. Um, the findings are hard just denunciation. Yep, by any government. Um, and it's according to the International Convention. Wow. Intent to destroy and whole a part of national, ethical, racial, religious group. So that's what genocide means in, in the international convention context. Wow. Shit. Yeah. So, um... Sorry, guys. It got really dark. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, it's important. Story. Yeah, it's important guy. you guys know what's going uh, on. Yeah. Look, they, they, the Chinese government have also rejected previous accusations of genocide and other human rights violations in that province. I can't fucking say it. It's like X-I-N-J-I-A-N-G. Zijian? I don't know. Zijian? Maybe. Um... At a news conference in Beijing last week, officials condemned American politicians and groups for making such accusations. 
This is other. This is utterly untethered fabrication genocide regarding uh, that province. This is the conspiracy of the century. <laughs> so of course they're going to deny, deny, deny. Even though there's like there's video footage, camera footage showing them. It's it's crazy. Hmm. And I mean, well, time some at least America says something about it, but I don't know what this is going to lead to. Oh, and then uh, they tried to, Chinese officials also, to deflect criticism from the U.S. officials, they, the Chinese officials have also taken to underlining some of Trump's administration's vast governance fails, including the death toll of more than 400,000 from the COVID pandemic, and that uh, deadly assault on the Capitol by a mob incited by Mr. Trump himself. Yeah, so they're just trade blows. Um, before the new condemnation, statement. Last October, the subcommittee concluded that the Chinese Communist Party were was culpable of the crime. Um, so yeah, so our state secretary's already knew about this since October of last year. Hmm. Um, but they've known about this way before. They're just, you know, just saying on paper that they knew about it. Um, great. <laughs> Uh, and then it says, Mr. Pompeo and senior State Department officials made the decision just days before Mr. Biden took the office. The findings and complicated administration's dealings with Beijing, because Biden's in his pockets, but also offers a source of leverage. Mr. Biden's nominee for Secretary of State, Anthony J. Blinken, plans to mention the growing rivalry with China, Russia, and other authoritarian states at the Senate confirmation hearing on Tuesday afternoon. Great. So they're going to fill him in. Um... Yeah, this is not going to help us. Oh, and and they bring up other uh, times that... Uh, They've been like... Myanmar? Cl- yeah, the, the other... other oh, the other students that... Yeah. yeah. I think cleansing and whether it says... Um, some officials opposed to the action point out that the department never made a determination whether the Myanmar government had committed genocide against the ethnic Rohingya Muslims. I remember that shit. Despite strong evidence of the crime, in 2017, they said they had... Con- they said... The department had said that Myanmar had committed ethnic cleansing. Hmm. Sounds like genocide to me. Um, Mr. Biden, who is a critic of China's human rights record during his decades in office, has used forceful language to describe its repressive policies. In August, he released a statement calling China's actions genocide and pressed the president to do something about it. Oh, and he pressed the president to do the same, basically condemning him. And, and Mr. Trump's insisted that we must apologize for condoning this horrific treatment of Uyghurs. Um, yeah, you see, they've been, they've been building, um, they were building internment camps since 2019 at the, when they went to that GI summit, mm-hmm. where all the world leaders meet. Oh, the G1 summit, yeah. Yeah, they, they brought it up in, in that, um, because they found video footage of internment camps being built in that place, and they thought the right thing to do was let them know that they, they're... They're like condemning them and all that. And it's funny because we did the, honestly, if you guys people forget, we did the same thing to the Japanese American yeah. citizens. Yeah. Because we have in camps, but in fear, based on, you know, what happened during World War Two, the fear that any retribution Japan was doing was going to have a fallout for Japanese Americans because. Which was nonsense. Which was nonsense. And it's like, you know what? Hey, let's do this. We're doing this for your protection. Let's put you in these camps, which to me. Guys, that's what we were fighting against, <laughs> or trying to open yeah. the world, see what's going on. I mean, Germany was doing it. You sure learned lessons, man. I know Germany, 
What I love about what Germany is they accepted their actions of, you know, the previous regime did, and they feel bad about it. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, but it's like... it's And like you said, it's funny how they're going out there now, and the only fact they knew about it oh, a yeah. couple years back. Oh, they've known. But, now, right now, they're just... And I guess they, they kind of get into... Um, it's, it's actually not that bad of an article in the New York Times, say what you will. Uh, huh. It's kind of long, though. But um, I guess they, they also go into similar occurrences that were happening other... Um, that happened in China's past, mm-hmm. and how much of this particular uh, Muslim Muslim uh, minority has been kind of been persecuted for no reason. Yeah. Uh, and and China being a non secular country, you would think uh, it, I I was they were already not making them very welcome. Let's put it that way. And then uh, see uh, they've more and more times. They basically go off on, on like a lot of different times that China's been doing some questionable acts of human against human rights and whew, they all oh damn they also put them through indoctrination camps. Hmm. Um, yeah, they installed high tech surveillance systems that are very sophisticated before even foreign governments start to discuss the issue. So they were already making sure they had. Hmm, Wow. Yeah, it's, it's very sad. Like it's even like socially not even really being accepted. It says um, people that were part of that that group, the minority group as well. They schools were already largely discarded classes in that in that taught in that native language, pressing student the students to learn in Chinese. Uh, Uyghur academics who have also sought to preserve and promote their culture have been arrested. Um, Uyghur language publishing has been heavily curtailed. Officials have forced children into boarding schools separated from their parents. Hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, so they, they're using them for factories. So this is under his rule and the expansive and intensified long-standing programs that shift the Uyghurs and Kazakhs from rural areas to jobs in factories, cities, and commercial farming. The Chinese government said that these work transfers are entirely voluntary and bring prosperity to impoverished peoples. But some programs have set targets for the number of people relocated for work and restricted recruits for choosing or leaving their jobs. Hallmarks of forced labor. Yep. Ugh. That's terrible. They, 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 like, yeah, they're, they're trying to take out their whole what they believe in. Completely. Well, that's crazy. That, that's just messed up, man. That's totally messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scholars have been writing, writing articles about this since 2017. Um... Former inmates and their families have left China. Oh, God. And they would... And the fact that they would defend this... Yeah, I'm not surprised. They were defending the camps as being benign vocational training schools and disputed the estimates of innate numbers without ever giving it its own. Former inmates and their families who have left China have described the harsh living conditions, crude indoctrination, and abuse of guards. Um... Damn, they had swelling camps? Jesus Christ. Wow. So definitely, guys, check out that article in the New York Times. So just, like, read up, look at what's going on. Because to me, that's just, like, that's really dark. And it sucks. I mean, I feel for them. I feel for the Muslim people, especially getting persecuted based on their religion and their beliefs. It's like, come on. 
But I think, you know, I mean, nothing, I mean, I'm not going to bash China because, you know, people that work in there are having tough as it is. It's just the garments they're being brought on. It's just, you know, I think it's, you know, it's grateful that we live in the U.S. that we have the ability to practice our religions. That we don't get persecuted based on our religions. But not many people in our countries are, some countries, um, I'm not going to say who, but it's been like that for years. It's been like countries that are not as open to certain beliefs. But it's like, I mean... Like I said, we're not, it's not going to be like a historical thing, but definitely if you guys do the research, you can see it's not just China, but other countries as well. But that's something you guys, like I said, because I check out the article in the New York Times, which gives you more additional information. I know this part of the podcast became deep, but it, it's part of the culture right now that's going on inside the world. Because, you know, as like I said, we try to bring you guys a little bit more of the world outlook of what's going on in the world, too, as well, just to give you all some time to read some national news. Yeah, just, it was popping up as, like, as the top of this, uh main thing on the world news so I was like oh shit man I'm actually saying something about it it took them long enough apparently I don't know if people go on reddit but I just pulled up something from IGN I just pulled up on the screen right now and look at this headline it says here I'm reading from the headline here this article is written by Jordan Oleman from IGN apparently someone made a bot that turns reddit arguments into Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney courtroom scenes so if you guys are not familiar with Phoenix Wright um, I got the, I, I got the collection for the Switch. Um, basically, it's a game where you, you would play this lawyer, you're in this Japanese courtroom, and you basically gather evidence and stuff and try to present your arguments. And it has those funny, funny things like objection and all that stuff, and, and there's an anime on it as well, which I need to get back into, but, um, apparently if you guys use Reddit, apparently according to this article, I just pulled it up here on the screen here. Uh, says here, code site writer, this is um, from the article itself, create a bot that turns Reddit arguments into Ace Attorney courtroom scenes. As port by Mashable, you can see the bot in action over on creator Micah5's YouTube channel. says, the bot will read a section of provided Reddit thread and insert the text into a courtroom debate between Miles Edgeworth and Phoenix Wright, emoting and ejecting each other's claims. It says here, the creator Micah... Uses a newer network to check the tone of each comment. As it deemed negative, the bot will count as an objection. While more positive comments will see the character sprites make made happier. If more than two users are a part of the debate, they're represented by tertiary ace attorney characters chipping in as the two prominent comment commenters duke it out. It says here you can try for yourself by commenting uh, objection bot in the comment thread on Reddit. The bot will apparently take about 10 minutes to create the video and message you back with a link to the video. Although Michael points out that it's still buggy, the bot source code could also be found here. You don't dig it how it works. So that's, also, that's kind of funny that they're able to do that. Um, let me see here. Let me pull up his channel here real quick. We'll have to keep the volume down because of copyright, but just to see how it's brought to the fold. Let's see. And he is Oh yeah, look at this. I guess he's showing a sample. Look at it, it takes like the regular arguments as you can see here. Look at the screen right here, I just pulled it off as you can see. Oh, so it's just all it takes the comments of Reddit if they're positive or negative. It's like that has the characters arguing out. And he uses the sprites. I guess he's just a bot that pulls out the comments. And I hear they're arguing about slang or something based on the comments for 
And the subreddit's called Confession or Confession, I guess. Oh, it's just Confessions. Yeah. Objection! <laughs> there you go. So this is like if you played the Phoenix Wright games. Like that's it's just them doing arguments back and forth. But they pretty much took the two characters, and they're pretty much verbatim arguing with the comments. I see how he even has like the yeah. the usernames in the final. So it's kind of funny. But he's showing it right now. This guy that helped create kind of the bot for, as you can see, is he's the surprise for. So like I said, if you haven't played, it is kind of funny. Just seeing them like and look at that. Even he gives you the link to the source code too. So. See, we got the other characters in there. As <laughs> it says, there add objection bot or objection bot to any comment thread on Reddit. Now all subreddits are supported yet, though. So, how it works, he says here. And then he gives you a detail, like Mike gives you a detail of the comment threads, and he pulls it up. So that's kind of that's kind of creative, though. It's kind of funny now, too, in the sense. And then it sends you a link to the video, I guess. Oh, if it's a Because I know Bigo, you go to Reddit sometimes too, so it's it's kind of cool. So it's like, oh, no, yeah, some of the, some of the I can get lost in some comment threads sometimes. And for the most part, I find some good, decent communities, and I see some dumpster fires that I end up happening, and people arguing over the stupidest thing. And then once people just start coming after, like once the guy who starts making fun of you, or like, well, your mom does it, it doesn't you know that person lost the argument, and it just goes to the other person saying some stupid shit too. So, I don't know. Interesting thing to build a bother on though. As I see people like commenting now on this thing. Jesus. But that's creative though. That's like something to make it like hard. Um like I said. Um like I said, I'm going through like a, some of these arguments I see what I can pull up. I saw that to a point like Cyberpunk twenty seven cents off thirty bucks right now <laughs> at Best Buy right now. It's thirty dollars? That's how bad it is right now. It's they're, they're basically trying to give the game away for half price right now, right. based on what based on what the performance of the last gen was. Oh well, yeah. But and apparently they're getting sued. Again. I guess Project Red is also getting sued again, so they're getting sued a second time because, like I said, for failure for promise, you know. Especially when you got investors, you know, it makes sense. Like you got investors investigating in your company. You are held to the higher standards when you have to deliver a quality product. And yet themselves, the developers themselves, admit they didn't show how the game was running on, the, on you know, the previous generation. They were showing what's going on in the new generation. But at the same time, it's like, right now with the PS5 and Xbox Series X being hard to get anywhere, not many people are going to transition right away to the next gen. So you still got to show some love for the previous generation still. Until... Those like next generation units are available. So, yeah, where I saw, I just saw a thing about it. So I can pull up the article. I think it's on comicbook.com, but let me see if I can find it. Because, yeah, I just saw it just popped up again. Like CD Project Red I'm getting sued again. Let's see if I can find it in the gaming here. But I saw like yeah, that they're on, it's on sale again. For like they're trying to sell for like thirty bucks right now. And apparently now, we're talking about gaming right now. Apparently, you know, Fortnite is, you know, how to get those weird collaborations. They do those collaborations, like, with emojis and stuff. Now they're doing a collaboration with Pele now. So you can get his Pele's, like, victory celebration as a victory emote now. Mm-hmm. Like a dance thing now. It's like... I don't play Fortnite, not for the 
Me either. Oh, I never got into it. I never got into Fortnite. So, yeah, see here? Cyberpunk 2700 price plummets to only 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. This is written by Sean Fallon. And... This is for the... It's because the game is made for the new generation anyways. I'm not surprised that it's not a performing other one. They rushed it even more. There's 50% off wasting price. Um, it's due shortly after launch. Uncommon with PlayStation and Xbox titles, but we have to imagine this wasn't the original plan for Cyberpunk. Yes, it needs a little more time in the oven, and we expect CD Projekt Red to deliver on. Yeah, they said they were going to have some more updates coming up later. Oh, yeah, typical. Of course, the question is, will the price stay? Or going to... I don't think it's going to go anymore. No, they got to make That's some cool. money right now, especially to compensate for what's been happening. But it's like I said. I mean, they did say that they were working on updates to get it going. So, like I said, they are working on updates to get the the game back to the what they promised the game was supposed to be. And, you know, it, it, it's freaking crazy how... Like I said, I haven't bought the game yet because, like I said, I'm one of those people I'm just going to wait on it until they get all the, the patches out. Mm-hmm. Because if I do want to stream it, I don't want to go in there, you know, playing a broken game either. So it's like... So I don't want to deal with that, like, that issue. Oh, no way. So, we'll see how it goes with that. Um, I'll just go through here real quick. See what else is going on here. Go through your Google. Do you want to do mention that, um... You guys still have Disney Plus. Um, they did announce the, that the Muppet Show, the original Muppet Show, will be available. All five seasons of the show will be available on Disney Plus on February nineteenth. So I know they did release it on DVDs a while back, and I know it's kind of hard to find hard streaming anywhere. Um, with you know with Disney having the they own the Muppets, so they're finally gonna have it available on streaming service. I bet you they had to go through a lot of you know, you know like. Licensing as well as, you know, the people that used to appear on there. They probably had to get their permissions to be on there. Because they remember they had guest hosts. They had human guest hosts. Or guest hosts every week. So, they, you know, they had to get, like, residuals and stuff. And make sure things all good. Because, remember, people don't realize Muppet Show wasn't made in the U.S. It was made in the U.K. Because the person... I was watching... It's on the... If you watch the Funkland... Um, if you watch the Funkland documentary on uh, Jim Henson... Which was really well done because he did it in parts. He talked about how he focused. He talked about the Muppet Show on there. How it was financed by a producer in the UK, and so they had to fly in the UK. So Jim had sent a commute from the UK to the US, and the US he had to work on Sesame Street, and then he had to fly to the UK to work on the Muppet Show. So a lot of stuff was done in the UK, but but it was still broadcast over here in the in the US as well. But that, so I'm excited to see the Muppet Show. I mean, it's been mentioned a lot, and of course, this is before they decided to go into features and stuff afterwards. Um, but definitely check out that Kevin Perger, uh, the Funkman documentary on you know Jim Henson because it was really well done because he did it in different parts. It pretty much covered Jim Henson's career from his humble beginnings. You were working in school and stuff, and then working at a local like television in Pennsylvania, and then eventually. To the point he had his own production company. Mm-hmm. Until his untimely death of pneumonia in 1990. So definitely 
check that out, guys. Um, one thing I do want to mention, uh, WandaVision came out last weekend. Um, the first two episodes are up. And Miko and I have not seen it. <laughs> um, it's only going to be nine episodes. And I think it's one of those things where we're probably just going to try to watch it all in one go. Because, I mean, it's the first Marvel Cinematic Universe thing since there wasn't anything last year. So, it's like, it's not saying that we're not going to check it out. I mean, we're Marvel fans whatsoever. But, I think we're just going to wait until everybody else caught up on it. Before we go in and watch it. Because that's one of those things where I do want to watch it weekly. But, at the same time, me, I'm like, I'd rather just watch it all in one go. Because, at least with Mandalorian River, it's good to talk about each week. But, my Vision. We'll see. I mean, I'll probably watch it one day. Biko watch it a different day, but I chances are probably going to all the episodes are out. Things like nine episodes are going to be out, and plus with a lot of other stuff coming out, anime wise, I got like so much on my plate. Just trying to watch these programs, catch up on everything else. Um, but definitely check that out. Of course, um, the Scott Program game came out. The ten, it's been ten years since Scott Program vs. the World the video game. Um, they finally released it last week, and I was surprised it was only fifteen bucks. But they decided, because it wasn't released for just for Xbox Series, Xbox and PlayStation, it was released on the Switch as well. And I think it was Switch, um, they decided to do a physical release as well. And, and for the special, I forgot what company was doing, like, the physical release for it. It was kind of a cool special edition set. Definitely check it out, guys. I don't know how much I was going for, but definitely check that out. But it was cool because I, it's a cool video game. It's like an homage to, like, the old, like, beat-em-up arcade games. With the Scott Proven character, so it's kind of cool. But the cool about it is, it's the complete game, so you get the, the only DLC they give you is um, you get to play as Knives or Wallace now, our playable characters in the game. So you can play as them as well. So definitely, it's one of those games where, yeah, you can play it by yourself, but it'll kind of be more fun when you play with others, because it's, it's what's what makes like those four-player arcade beat-em-ups. But I'm thinking hopefully arcade, hopefully the game, I have, we haven't even checked it out yet, hopefully... It is local to local play and also online play as well. It's a be good game to play with your buddies since you know we're all still in the pandemic. We're all trying to be social distance and stuff. Um, definitely check it out. Um, try to see what else is going on here. Try to. Sorry guys, I got a lot of wrestling stuff in my freaking thread right now, but. So we'll see what CBR has right now. See if I got something else that's going on that I saw. Um, oh, oh, cool. There's like a documentary they're doing. Let's see. Martin Cove. Cobra Kai star Martin Cove recalls time with the late co-star Pat Morita and exclusive clip from the Morton Miyagi documentary. Okay. Low Project Film shares a brand new clip ahead of the release of Kevin Derrick's upcoming documentary Morton Miyagi to Pat Morita's story. Oh, they're doing like a documentary on him. That's kind of cool. Which tells the story of the iconic Cried Kid actor. In a 46-second exclusive, Maria, former co-star Martin Cove, reflects on working alongside the lay actor while filming the Cried Kid films. This is what uh, Cove put, I guess this is from him. Martin Cove said, Pat was great, you know, to work with. He said, I want you to hate me with all your guts. He wanted to rip my lung out, you know. He wanted to tear my heart out and eat it. That's what he used to say. So... Says the actor went on to explain that Marie also loved to poke fun at producer Jerry Wan Trepp on the set of the Cry Kid films. It will mimic Wan Trepp's raspy voice. I think he liked to poke fun at authority, you know, Malkov explained. I think that's where the exaggerated woe sound effect came from, you know. This article was written by 
Keegan Prozer from CBR.com. So I wonder when this documentary is supposed to be out. There's a little more quotes from the interview. All of this kind of stuff is what leads you to see how talented someone is. Versatility coupled with raw vulnerability. Making you know Pat Morita had that. So it says Pat Morita says. Pat Morita's other noble credits include. Matsuo, Arnold, Takahashi on Happy Days. Mike Wu in the Mystery Files of Chevy Wu. Emperor Chen and Milan Milan too. During his decades-long career. Morita earned an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress portrayal. Mr. Miyagi. This one Emmy nomination for portrayal. Tommy Tanaka in the two movie Emos. Oh, look at that. It's a picture of Pat. Uh. It says here, Morty Miyagi tells Morty's life story from his childhood battle with spinal tuber tuberculosis. Early days as a stand -up comedian to success at the big screen and struggles with drug and alcohol addictions in his later years. In addition to featuring archival footage and interviews of Maria, the documentary includes exclusive interviews with a number of Maria's co-stars, including Cove, Ralph Macchio, Heavy Winkler, and Tommy Chung. Mm. While Maria passed away of natural causes in 2005 at the age of 73, the character Mr. Miyagi lived on in the first three seasons of Netflix Cobra series Cobra Kai, though our car footage and mentions about our characters, series courtesy on Netflix. It says here, the documentary is directed by Kevin Derrick. It premieres on iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and our streaming platforms on February 5th. Definitely want to check out that documentary. It'd be kind of cool. You know, I remember Pat Perino, not just from like, you know, from, you know, the Cry Kid films. Um, He did make a Appearance on uh, Boyd's World. Uh, he was the wise man when that one episode when Corey, Corey sh shot, got shocked by the microwave got sent back to like the 50s. And like, of course, you know, Pat Marino is the wise man, but he's playing, he's doing a parody uh, like almost close to his character in uh, Happy Days when he was Arnold the owner. Mm. He was Arnold the owner. People forget that he was on Happy Days and I didn't know that either, but... Definitely check out Bo Meets World. He's on that episode as well. Yeah, he was a chef in the kitchen. Um, also, too, I think he was in MASH as well. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I think he was in MASH. Um, and, of course, he was the Emperor in Mulan. In Mulan, too. He did the voice work, too. And, curiously enough, before he passed away, um, if you play Kingdom Hearts 2, and that game came out in 2005, he prized his role as the Emperor for one last time. Because the character comes up here when, like, Sora and his friends are going to uh, Milan's world. Um, the Land of Dragons, they called it in the in the Kingdom Hearts game. And he does, his, that was his last, like, voiceover role. As the Emperor. It was kind of cool because I didn't know about it, like, like, months later after the game released that he passed away from natural causes. So, definitely. I'm looking forward to that documentary. Like I said, this is something to look forward to. Um, uh, let's say next. Uh... There we go, latest news. Trying to see what else is going on. Uh, Biko, did you have seen anything happening on Reddit so far? Oh, yeah, I found this article on the MyPillow CEO. MyPillow? Yeah, so the CEO of MyPillow, it's one of those, like, made-for-TV kind of products, um... But he's popular. I've seen his stuff at Bath & Beyond because he's still up there. But um, he had commercials with the best pill you can buy. You know, like it never flattens out. It's like supposed to multi... Like a typical foam pillow. <laughs> but it never like gets flat as, as one does when you see pillows over the years and using it. Um, but in this article... So like he he's a pretty... Pretty big Trump supporter. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I think... Uh, at a point, 
So he donated money to the Trump campaign, all that stuff. Because mm. I mean, he he's he's made a, a killing with those pillows. <laughs> um, but I pulled up an article from CNBC.com, um, and the headline reads: "My Pillows CEO, a Trump supporter, says Bed Bath and Beyond and Kohl's have stopped selling his products." So you got to imagine in the in the home space, uh, both of these stores, both these companies offer pretty affordable things for the home, and and God, I mean. I haven't wasn't the biggest fan of Kohl's, but uh, I, I I do appreciate for what they do because they do have a lot of good stuff. Um, and Bed Bath and Beyond, you can get a lot of different shit at Bed Bath and Beyond. Even the clearance section's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember this this particular product would always be in the middle. Um, as as soon as you walk into that little fuck that little like, cube section of, uh, for bedding, his stuff is right smack dab in the middle. Like you can't because he kind of looks like um, he used the same. Ad techniques as Billy Mays did mm-hmm. with the uh, with OxyClean, but he kind of brought it to pillows. And so, I'm guessing he just like, made a statement saying that they stopped selling his products amid like his political beliefs. Um. So it's it says my P- pillow CEO Mike Lindell, who has repeated false claims that the president did not lose the elections at retailers, including Bed Bath and Beyond. And Kohl's are removing his company's products from the stores. Trump supporters on social media platforms are now calling for boycotts of the retailers, while other consumers are urging people to not purchase my pillow products. I uh, in the quotes, I just got off the phone with Bed Bath and Beyond. Lindell said during an interview on Monday evening with the Right Side Broadcasting Network, they're dropping my pillow. Just got off the phone not five minutes ago. Kohl's, all these different places. These guys don't understand. He went on. They're scared. Like a Bed Bath and Beyond, they're scared. They were good partners. In fact, I told them you guys can come back anytime you want. A search by CNBC on both retailers' websites Tuesday morning still showed available MyPillow merchandise for sale. Um, the MyPillow is also still sold at JCPenney, Amazon, Bell, and uh, some other major retailers. A representative from Kohl's confirmed the decision to exit the MyPillow brand. Um, in quotes, there has been decreased customer demand for the MyPillow. The spokeswoman said in the email statement, we will sell our current inventory out and not buy any additional or future inventory in the brand. Um, Bid Bats and Beyond did not immediately respond to the request for comment. Um, Blundell has come under fire for spreading conspiracy theories. Last year, for example, he promoted a fake cure for COVID. More recently, he has said there was a widespread voter fraud during the 2020 election. Yeah, I remember that. Um, according to a report by the New York Times, officials at Dominion Voting Systems have now sent Lindell a legal letter that warns of pending litigation over his basis claims of widespread fraud, fraud involving their machines. Lindell was not immediately available to respond to the request for comment about this letter. Last week, Lindell was seen visiting the White House and carrying partially obscured notes that look to tell Trump to invoke martial law if necessary. What the but heck? Following Lindell's interview where he referenced Bed Bath & Beyond and Kohl's, users on Twitter are calling for other retailers like Walmart to drop their mind pillow as well. Great. Um, the country's largest retailer recently halted donations from its political action committee to the campaigns of congressional Republicans who oppose certain president, uh, who oppose certifying president-elect Joe Biden's victory. Oh, okay. Wow, Walmart really way to use your money uh, when it comes to the democracy dealings. Uh, Lindell created his pillow empire from scratch in '04 while struggling with cocaine addiction. His memoir about his background was published in late 2019. Uh, so you guys don't have to buy uh, my pillows, but you can buy his book if you want to know more about him. Uh, 
But key points of the article is just you know more more well, spreading lies. But look what the, we, we we just see the we see the the negative effects of people's being more political, and we see that reflecting in their own business and it's happening. Um, I mean, we saw that when Facebook was losing uh, investors, they they lost already five billion in just money because of um, them not not. Those companies that didn't take down Trump's thing, oh, like the campaign. Yeah, stuff. they 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 were also blaming Facebook for inciting all this stuff, and they lost. And then once uh, Zuckerberg, I guess, went on and said that we're not taking Trump's thing off the the platform because of um, oh, when all the other like platforms started blocking Trump and stuff, basically. Yeah, uh, Facebook didn't want to do it, and um, I think neither did YouTube at a point, and then they started losing investor money. Um, that's why they went and took him off. So that's when it was starting. And then oh, okay. Twitter, once Twitter came, when Jack Dorsey came out and said he suspended his account, that's when the dominoes started falling again. And that's when, uh, and then Facebook lost money because they didn't want to take it out. Mm-hmm. So they lost $5 million of you know, investment money, which probably brought their stock down quite a bit. I'm not a bit to take them apart, but very much it's a hit. Um, but we're starting to see that grow with a lot of people who sided with their, um, but their political beliefs and, and we're more outspoken about it, especially if they're supporting Trump. So we see that kind of happening. Like I just saw right here, breaking news on CNBC, Netflix shares rise 10% on strong subscriber bro- growth, considered share buybacks. Hmm. Look at that. Oh, and then you, oh, and you, as I was talking about the article earlier, the same Secretary of State's actually testifying before the Senate right now. Interesting, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I never, I don't know if he made any other products. This Mike Lindell guy. I think. It's I mean, it's a pillow. I mean, I mean, there's so many options, guys. I mean, yeah, it sucks. You know, he's trying to make money, but at the same time, it's like, especially if you're a face of your own company. Yeah, that sucks because you're the ad guy. You're the ad guy. You're the spokesperson for your own product. It's yeah, like. You want to buy OxyClean because of fucking. Bill, Billy Mays. They bought it because freaking Billy Mays. Freaking sold the shit Billy Mays, man. The legend, dude. RP, he sold. But, yeah. But he sold the shit out of OxyClean. And he made those commercials fun. So, like, people, they buy you with the brand, especially if you're the face. Yeah. Yeah. And then for him to, like, well, basically saying invoke martial law, I don't know about that. But... I mean, I mean, everyone, like, this at the same time, it's where, okay. We're not saying for you guys to be political enough, but there's a certain point where if you're like a face of something, you are going to face ramifications of your beliefs. I mean, yeah, it's cool to protect your beliefs, but at the same time, if you're a public face, you got to like, you know, you're held to a standard where you got to be, you're portrayed, you know? Yeah. It's like, you got to portray, like, that's why sometimes they wait until like, you know, they do their beliefs either, you know, when they're interviewing stuff. But when you're on the air, you're you're a spokesman for your product, and not only the fact that you're you're a spokesperson, I mean it's a product that everyone uses. Everyone uses pillows. It's not a bad product. I don't have it, but I got something that's similar, like mine. Ours is like a memory foam style pillow, but but at the same time, it's like okay, I understand you're okay. You're you're supporting you know Trump. That's fine. That's your political view. But at the same time, it's like seems like he was a buddy. buddy, buddy. But it's like, come on, come on, man. <laughs> Well, I mean, you gotta admit, like, a lot of people also contribute to this campaign, and, and it's with any, that's with any, um, elected official, guys, it's not just Trump, it's just with Trump, 
these last four years, as we talk about the last day of him being in office, but um, these last four years, like he he's really polarized polarized the way media pays attention to this shit, and I I think it's also a part of the problem um, that we shouldn't lump all of it on him. It, this was carrying up for a long time, and it's finally once it bring, breaks to the political spectrum, I think that's when it becomes more popularized and, and more polarized. Because now you got more faces seeing it. Because I mean, if if you get people who watch like who make big news breaks on like TMZ, for example, like people even eat that shit up, and it's just celebrity gossip and news, mm-hmm. and people eat that shit up. And so, if you can imagine the same type of hysteria that you can see with with our news media, because they were focused so much on it every single day, along with also pandemic stuff, like it's just it, you can't get away from it. So. When I see things like this, it's kind of, I kind of find it funny because it's like, well, major money, bro. I don't, you're still going to sell your stuff somewhere. I'm sure someone will buy your pillow, but yeah. Uh, the only reason I say is that it's because like the Mountain Mountain Coles are pretty serious. I want to say, I mean, they were losing stores. Uh, they're closing stores, but I don't see, I don't see Bed Bath & Beyond ever leaving either. I don't know, they're pretty affordable. And Coles have always been strong. I can't, I can't see them gonna get lose too much gonna gonna get in too much whack because of this like i don't think people are gonna boycott coles now even though like you see the supporters saying online that go do it yeah go tell your your two neighbors to boycott fucking coles and bed bath and beyond and i'll see who joins you oh that's kind of cool um but yeah wow look at that netflix i'll read this 10 percent rise oh netflix right now so their earnings per share went from a dollar nineteen to a dollar thirty nine with a ten percent increase. Oh, they increased their revenue too. I mean, it's because of the new stuff that's coming out right now, too. And, of course, you know, Netflix made that announcement a few weeks ago. Uh, oh, yeah, it's the end of the quarter. And, they have to and then, of course, uh, if you remember last week, Netflix announced that they're going to release new Netflix original movies every week now. Mm-hmm. Basically, just to compete with HBO Max. So they're releasing, like, they did a commercial order. They're going to show, like, new Netflix original films every week, basically. They're going to release on Netflix. So, trying to make, like, the theaters. Because right now, with the pandemic right now, who knows... Probably theater going is not as big right now. People were just staying home. That's why HBO. That's why Warner Media decided to go that route and pretty much release all the hit movies that under their studio banner. That's oh, HBO that's Max. That's why. This is a big deal. Wait, hold on. So, this is the first year. So they reported earnings for the fourth quarter, right? Because mm-hmm. we're already about to be in tax season, guys. So after the bell on Tuesday, announcing it's very close to being a free cash flow positive. And this is why they're also, they're considering people to do stock buybacks back buybacks with them this year. That means that they're not they're not like uh, for instance they're not like Spotify where like they get investors but they don't really have free cash flow. Mm-hmm. Like they don't make a cash flow because they're not positive. They're not net positive. Yeah. They're always in debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and Netflix was like that before, and now they're not because they're gonna they just reported. Uh, let's see. It says. Um, Netflix handily beat estimates for global pay networks of subscriber editions, and they reported 8.5 million versus 6.47 million analysts anticipated. But they recorded a revenue of 6.64 billion hmm. versus what they expected to be at 6.6. So they're still very good. Um, 
Damn, and even at their eighth quarter, they made eight point five million in subscriber growth. Wow. Um, I mean, it was like this one documentary I finished watching was a six part called Surviving Death, which was really good. Definitely check it out, guys. It was a really good documentary series. Um, it's six episodes, and it focuses on you know, it's based on this book this author did, and she wrote you know. What happens to us after we die, basically. It's like a person, you know, she goes and she does different, like, research and stuff. Each episode focuses on different topics where the first episode focuses on, like, near-death experiences. What people see when they're at that point at the brink of death. Which is the whole thing about the whole consciousness leaving your body and coming back. And people see, like, a light or something or they see themselves out of their body. Um, Another one is about mediums. It's like a two-part episode, mediums. The communication, um, the forefront talked about communication as well, and the spirits and stuff. Was like, I think it was the fifth episode was about spirits. This last one was about you know reincarnation. How supposedly the whole concept of reincarnation. How it starts out when kids are younger or kids. Some certain kids will have memories of a previous life. They can recall something before they reach a certain age. It was really good. Um, definitely check it out. It's called Surviving Death. Um, it's a really good documentary series. It's on Netflix. I start. I watched that all the way through. I mean, like I said, for Netflix, I hardly go on. Right now, we're doing Cobra Kai right now. But with me, it's either that or watch like the original anime series. Um, they're going wrong, guys. If you, right now, Crunchyroll right now. If you haven't gone Crunchyroll right now, they're doing the anime awards. I mean, they're the only big industry one that does it here in the West. Um, they, do the, they do the annual anime rewards. Uh, right now, they're, they're voting right now. And I've been trying to catch up on the ones that they've trying to watch the series that the characters are nominated for. I've seen some of the right there are nominees, which um, obviously should win. Like they have one for best female, and I've seen some one of the characters, um, Chizuru, um, from uh, Rent a Girlfriend's on there. She's nominated, so that character's nominated. I want her to win. Um, then. Like I said, that's going on right now. So definitely check out. Go to Crunchyroll.com. We're not sponsored by Crunchyroll, by the way. But if you're a big anime fan like I am, the war thing is kind of cool because it's like, it's like recognition. But they let the fans vote, which I do like. Because you get it. It's like I said, anime industry, in recent years, has been getting big in the West. It's like a lot more people watch anime. That's why you got companies like Netflix putting more investment into anime. Like Sony investing into anime as well. That's why they own Funimation. And now they bought Crunchyroll. So because they see how big of a market share that anime is bringing in the West. Because now it's like, you go to like different stores now, you see some anime references. Or like like Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon, the most recognizable franchises, even though they've been around for a long, long time. You can still, you can either see Sailor Moon or you can see Goku somewhere in the store somewhere. Still people will recognize it right away. Mm-hmm. But now you got these franchises like Demon Slayer's on the rise. My Hero Academia's become on the rise. Well, My Hero because because of the fact that, you know, based on because of the superhero genre being popularized in movies and film. And TV and film. And My Hero Academia being one of those few mangas about superheroes. That's on the rise as well. That's becoming almost the next line with Dragon Ball. With Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon. Um... But based on like, even products and stuff, it's starting to rise. Like Hot Topic putting a lot of effort into anime right now. They're pushing a lot of that merchandise as well. If you go into like Barnes & Noble, they got good sections dedicated to anime and stuff from Japan, which I do like. Because it sells. 
or stuff like box lunches in our first store too. You know, the my topic. You see a lot of stuff focused on anime as well. And manga. You see, like you go to Barnes and Noble, it's like why do few stores here that you can get manga, or you can get it off on Amazon as well. But it's becoming like a big cultural impact where Japan didn't see that much. They didn't think it was going to go. They didn't think they were going to be fancy in the West and Georgia Prague, but. That's why, and also too, that's why Japan decided to do the whole launch of the culture sharing project, where they're going to share their culture and traditions to outside of Japan, basically, through anime, manga, and like products. That's why they got a lot of those, like you know, ordering services, subscription services, where you can order like treats from Japan and stuff too. Now, you can actually order candies and stuff in Japan, like sweets and stuff, and snacks and stuff. That's kind of cool. There's like services like that out there, um, which gets me to um. Little anime segment, guys. Um, obviously, because check this anime out too. Once it's been fully done in English right now, I think they're already up to episode six right now because, like, Funimation right now, when they're doing the dubbing, says a lot of the actors are doing it from home because of, of the corona, so it's taking time for them to do the, the voice work from home. I think right now for this anime, they're up to like six right now. Um, it's called The Day I Became a God. I saw this all last night. It's the first time I see anime from first. Episode all the way to the last episode, all in one day. I did it the whole night. I think it stopped like around eleven o'clock, eleven thirty at night. But the anime, the anime is called "The Day I Became a God." Uh, Kamisama ni Hatahi. It's a. Uh, it's it came out in twenty twenty. Um, it aired from October twenty twenty. Um, it's an original anime, so it's not. Uh, so there is a manga, but it's adapting the anime. So this is, um, it was written by. Let's see, I can pull up the. Director, it's directed by, um, it was written by Yoshiyuki Asai, it's written, the, it's written and by Jun Maeda, he also did the comedic music collaboration with Manyo, um, the series by PA Works, it's licensed from Funimation and Musei Communications, um, it ran, it's on Funimation right now, um, I'm just trying to find the genre here, um, the genre is basically seinen, um, which seinen means like, it's aimed towards young adults. It's more for young adults, male-wise. So it's like for anyone from like age of 18 to 45. That's what it's targeted towards. Um, basically, the whole plot is... Um, I mean, this is from the Wikipedia, guys. I pulled it from the Wikipedia page. But um, Jun Maeda, he also wrote Angel Beats in 2010. He also wrote Charlotte in 2015. Those animes are actually available itself on Funimation... And Crunchyroll itself too as well. You check it out. I think um, the Funimation has a dub on cut of it. So definitely check those out. But they're original, so basically any adaptations were done after the anime came out. Um, then here the whole plot is basically what well, prepare for the upcoming graduation exam since five year high school. Yota Narukami meets a mysterious young girl named Hinasato who claims that she's a goddess named Odin. She tells Yona that the world will end in 30 days, but he remains skeptical of despite her making numerous corrected predictions. The story revolves around Hina assisting Yona as he helps people around the town while she adjusts to her new life. As she spends more time with her, he begins to cover more secrets about her life and how she became God. It's quote-unquote God. Um, it's really good. It's one of those like slice-of-life animes. It's like it's not fantasy. Um... It's not like a romantic comedy. It's like I said, it's a slice of life type of thing. Like almost like realistic aspect of it. It's sad because um, when you first start watching the episodes, it's like it's lighthearted. You know, it's happy, enjoyable, and also questioning this character of Hina 
But as more as you get on to like later on in the episodes, um, you get more about why she's special. Why she has this ability to how she calls her omniscience. But why she's gifted and stuff. It gets really sad at the end. But it, like I say, the pace does pick up afterwards. Um, the characters are really funny. Um, Yoda himself, being he's the skeptical person about her. And I like the fact that, because um, I watched it, of course, in Japanese. Because like, Foundation only has the episodes up to six right now for a dub so far. So they are slowly dubbing it. Um, uh, and of course, I'm learning Japanese as well. So it kind of helps me as well. But um, it's really good. I mean, the characters, like, he's got his best friend. Ashura, and then of course he's got this girl named Kyoko Izanami, who he's been with her since childhood, and um, been with him, been with her through childhood. Like he wants to confess his feelings to her. She became this shut off person, as introvert, when her mom passed away from illness. So he he played basketball. Is like thinking that this girl likes basketball, finding out that she's into baseball more. And it's funny because he the dedicated so like to basketball. Like if you, if you watch the anime in his room, dude. His room has decked out in basketball merchandise. Like he has like the two jerseys mm-hmm. and the frames, and he's got the sneakers sitting in there, and then he's got like the his floor has a little basketball imprint on the floor and stuff. So it's kind of funny. Um, but the character Hina was funny as well because even though in Japanese, it's funny when like the subtitles saying thus, she was talking like that old English style thus and all that stuff. Like she's claiming she's the god, she's Odin, and it's funny how she was. Um, Throwing a tantrum when he found out what the names of Yoda and his like Yota and his his family names are supposed to be named for gods and stuff, and she gets all jealous and stuff. These are all good names, um, but it was really good. It's a really good anime. Um, in fact, there's one episode where basically because his um, Yoda sister um, Sora, she's like in the film club, and she has to do all like a film project. But he decides, and she's like, oh, and then he was trying to help him like give the girl like his childhood friend her childhood crush and they end up parodying all these movies and it's fine even the guys that call in are we not gonna get in trouble for like parodying these movies because you can tell it's like parodies these movies but it's, it's funny um definitely um checked out this anime it's currently airing on it's it just finished airing it's 12 episodes it's on Funimation only I haven't seen it anywhere else it's available on sub and of course a dub is slowly being adapted um, but like I said, this is an original anime work, so it's not... So there's a manga that's out that probably much expands upon the original story. If you want to do check it out, I think it's published by... Let me see. It's published by... It's... Yes, yeah, the writer, like the, the writer for the series, he's writing the manga. It's written by Zen, is the artist. It's published by Katakawa. And it's on the magazine Comic Walker, Yoko Sega... And right now, the manga was released in November of last year. It's currently present run right now. So definitely check it out. Um, like I said, and even the English actors they got for the characters so far, according to this Wikipedia page, they were able to add. Um, you do watch the dub. Um, Justin Cook is uh, plays Ashura, who's Jota's uh, friend. Uh, Sora's voiced by Megan Shipman. Um, Kyoko is now he's voiced by Tabitha Ray. Yota is voiced by Mark Allen Jr. And then um, Hina is voiced by Danny Chambers. That's who I was trying to tell you last week about Danny Chambers, a good um, English voice actress who's on Funimation. So she's the voice of Hina right now. She's one of the up-and-comers too, so. 
So it's definitely check it out. Like I said, it's, um, it's on Funimation. So to check it out. It's called The Day I Became a God. And like I said, it's really good. I mean, it's like one of my resolutions to check out animes outside of my comfort zone, to say. Because, you know, I'm mean, more like the fantasy style, fighting, you know, action built, kind of typical shonen style animes and mangas. So I'm trying to try to get myself to watch like these lighthearted slice of life, you know, animes. Being that this is an original work, and it's not something that you don't have to read the manga to understand what this is about. It's something you could just watch ahead. Because if there's like animes like Attack on Titan or Naruto that it's better to read the manga first than watch the anime because usually for that one, they're pretty much diverging some away from the main plot or the filler episodes that we can catch it later on. But stuff like this being an original work, it's something that anyone can just jump in and get in touch with these characters. And the story. But like I said, it's a really good story. It's actually a real practical story. It's a really interesting story. Because like I said, I don't want to give it away why Hina is special. Because I want you guys to watch it and pay attention why she is special. Why she's calling herself a god and stuff. And it makes sense if that ever happens in real life. But it's really good. Um, definitely watching Japanese. Even watching original language. Um, dub is not bad. I think I saw a few minutes of the, of the dub itself. <clears throat> like with me what I tend to do um, if I'm watching on Funimation I'll try to watch the sub first then watch the dub to see if they had to make any like translation like localization issues when it comes to jokes and stuff because like I said West, Japanese humor and American humor are kind of different but that's why I kind of like watching the sub because you get a more of a little translation of it but definitely check it out it's called The Day I Became a God and like I said it's released by Aniplex and of course Aniplex no by Sony <laughs> so Definitely check it out there. Um, like I said, uh, when it comes to like new animes right now, uh, right now I'm with the new ones coming out this season. Let me pull it up here. So I, I go to Anime Use Network for any like previews of new anime, just to uh, see what's going on. Of course, there's the winter one right now. And that's why I go like I use Anime Use Network as like a source, like what's coming out. Because they give you what I like about them is. They give you, like, these guides per season, and they tell you, you know, what platform they're going to be on. And they give you, like, a little plot of it. And, like I said, it was surprising because it's... I thought, well, you know, with the coronavirus, that there wasn't going to be a lot of, like, shows coming. It wasn't, like, that many shows coming out last year. Mm-hmm. But this year, they're surprising the winter ones because... Um, there's some new ones that came out. Not just, like, shows that are returning from their break... But new animes are out. And I pulled up the list. And it's like, there's like a, a sh- ton of new animes right now. And the ones I'm working watching right now is, of course, um, Cells of Work Cold Black. If you don't haven't seen Cells at Work, um, Cells of Work Cold Black is a spinoff of the work. It's a manga spinoff. And it focuses on, well, Cells of Work is the more lighthearted. It talks about how the humanized cells of the human body, of a growing body, this is more darker, more adult-oriented. This is like what happens to a body that does not take care of himself. So in this one, all the red blood cells are all guys. All the white blood cells are busty females with swords. And all the and the platelets, instead of the platelets being these cutesy kindergarten-style kids and the regular cells at work, they're like middle school, almost end of elementary school brats, basically. And basically, it goes through the struggles of the body 
that's not pretty much taking care of themselves and what the cells go to go through when that when that's, that person's not taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it goes to like what I like about cells at work is because I've seen a video on YouTube of the doctor that reacts to the episodes, and he liked it. He liked the fact that the portrayal, the, like the person who wrote the original cells at work manga, did a good job did research on medical research and consultation, and how they depicted these cells. And I like how they did the red blood cells. They made the red blood cells kind of like package delivery people. Because they're delivering oxygen and nutrients throughout the body. Hmm. And, the, and they got the people of cells. They're just purchased purchase guys with like t-shirts on. And it says cells. The white blood cells are defenders. So they're like soldiers. And they got your platelets. are like the ones that help heal your body. And then you got the memory cells. Memory cells are the ones. Macrophages are a different form of... Because you learn a lot of stuff on cells that work if you watch the first season. You learn all of these other cells you never knew you had. These other defense cells. And yeah, the portrayals are kind of like human... They're all humanized portrayals. But it's kind of funny. In a sense. It's pretty much more of an upscale version of Osmosis Jones. Like an upscale version of it. Mm-hmm. But with this Colt Black... Um, here's the main plot of it. Like, I, This is not a recommendation, but this is something I'm watching right now. But if you want to check it out as well, it's called... Basically, the main plot is a spinoff. <coughs> um, the writers for Colt Black was based on Shigemitsu Hadara and Issei Hasosuyo Shia's spinoff manga streams on Funimation. So it's on Funimation right now. But the second season of Regular Cells of Work came out as two, but um, basically the whole plot is a newbie red blood cell is one of 37 trillion working to keep his body running. But something's wrong. Stress hormones keep yelling at him go faster. The blood vessels are crusted with cholesterol, ulcers, fatty liver, trouble, ahem, downstairs. They put a hem in the review here. It's just from Admin News Network, guys, so it's hard for a cell to keep working with these. Every day is a cold black, and it's like cold black's a term where you're like it's a term used in hospitals and stuff where you're the person, the patient's kind of bad, you know. And it's kind of cool. Like each episode focuses on different issues, and it's really good. I mean, based on these reviews that the people on anime users were giving them, a lot of them were giving like one person gave like three stars out of five, one person gave four stars out of five, um, but. Last week, I think they did a surprise where they released two episodes back-to-back. So right now, it's like four episodes right now. Um, the first episode dealt with the body, what the body does during smoking. Um, there's one where, I think the last two episodes had to do with, like, sexual, like, problems, like, transfer diseases, what happens when they have gonorrhea. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't show what happens outside the body, but shows what's going on inside the body. And I like the way they portray the bacterias. How they're portrayed and stuff, and... Like I said, it's really good. Check it out. Like I said, Salsa, if you want that light heartedness, check out Salsa at Work. And that's the main series. But if you want to see more like edgy, action-based, part dark themes, definitely check out Salsa at Work Code Black. Both shows are currently on Funimation right now because due to Funimation owning control, it looks like they're getting more to license of the new animes coming out soon as well. So a lot of this stuff's coming out on Funimation. So... That's my anime picks, guys. Definitely check out those three animes that I mentioned today. And like I said, if you're curious about what other animes are coming out this season, I do recommend Anime News Network as a source. I like to use that as a source as well. Another one, too, if you're not so familiar, called My Anime List or Mal. That gives you an idea of what's the new top trending animes. Like It's basically like a poll website, like a database itself. It gives you an idea of what's the top trending anime right now this season. It, well, it's, well, cool. it's really helpful. And they do give you reviews and links to episodes. Or where you can go check it out on. 
that's all I got for the anime corner of the podcast. Um, Miko, you got anything else to share? Um, no, not really. I'm just reading. I, I guess I just got another another thing on what, how companies can suck. Uh, I think Peloton ha- has had a good year during the pandemic, um, but they're also going through a, I guess you could say, a te- technical supply problem because uh, as far as delivering their items on time, they have people who have been waiting uh, for deliveries at, of their bikes. It's the exercise bike, if you're not aware, the Peloton company. They make treadmills and, and exercise bikes. With the biggest screen? With, uh, TV screen on there, you can get online classes. It's, 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 it's good value. I mean, it's $2,000 a bike, so... Oof. Yeah, it's 1900 Okay, if you're, like, yeah, if you want... on the bike. Yeah, if you want to get your investment, I can see why you want to invest in yourself. I mean, yeah, and... and Frankly, it became like an idea, and, and it's good. I mean, I can see it's 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 use for it, but um, they're finding problems because they are able to do, to match their delivery promises. Um, but it says like the people people have been flocking their social media accounts <laughs> to basically go on there and complain about the company um, for not having their like people are just slotting them. There's uh, it says. Um, and this is from a New York Times article by oh god I can't say their names uh, Sapna Mahashawari and Aaron Griffith uh, and this was dated for two days ago mm-hmm. it came up on my on my email for some reason but I was like what the hell is Peloton doing um, it just says that with their 1.2 million followers um, Instagram posts have become a place and a beacon for outrage about the delayed deliveries and hours spent with customer service representatives. Um, and somebody wrote, I know a good Peloton goal, deliver my mom's bike that was supposed to be here on December 21st. Um, and then somebody snapped it in one as a response to, to posting a New Year's goal status that Peloton put on their Instagram account. Um, I could, somebody also wrote, I could be close to 100, 900 rides already, but oh wait, that's right, I don't have my bike. Um, yeah, it's just something you're just crying. Uh, after more than, after more than quadrupling in value to more than $40 billion during the coronavirus pandemic, Peloton is not experiencing, um, serious growing pains because some, some customers who have ordered their bike as far back as October and, and the expectation of having them for the holidays or even to begin New Year's have still been waiting for deliveries. Um... Holy shit! And I guess um, like our our friends like right now. Remember they ordered like a couch and yeah, they're, they're still waiting for it. it. Yeah, it's because what happens is people don't realize with the pandemic, it depends where they're working in. It's also people that are available to work during the pandemic because you know the, the, the whole scare and stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's that, and and that's that's play a big part. Um, but also that's just overshooting on on that promise when you don't, especially when um. A lot of these retail companies, they don't have their own delivery service. Um, a lot of companies don't seem to invest in that. I, I, and that could that, and that could mean a lot of factors. It's not just a, an operational thing. It could be a, a, a property thing as well. Like if depending where your store is and all that. But um, it's just them not being able to deliver on their promises. But also they're not being accountable because that could there seems to uh, they there was a quote on here I read that. Their customer service representatives seem to just be putting the pushing off the fault to the delivery companies that mm-hmm. partner with them, not them themselves for essentially giving 
promises on delivery when they have no control of that aspect of the business, mm-hmm. especially when you're partnering up with these logistical services. It's not you. Um, it's 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 not the, the company. It is just the shell of of the person who carries the product. But to get it to you is a whole different game. And, and, yeah, and, and then people a, forget that. And I think it's also and then like, like I said with the postal service themselves as well, they're yeah. having they're having a lot of delays and stuff with delivery as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's typical. And then we've gotten so used to being able to get stuff pretty much on time. Uh, Amazon has has conditioned a lot of us ordering things online to like and and look they. They they made a they made a market niche for themselves by able being able to to deliver within those means that they set themselves, and they made it. And that's just the aspect of the market right now. And and frankly, uh, this can lead to other facets of, of the business of, of shopping online and getting your things done accurate on time and all that as well. I mean, Amazon it's not their fault essentially. I know as much as people like to bash them, um, this is one thing to where. It's hard not to give them their props, and, and and that's Bezos and his team being able to see that gap in the market of and and understanding how fast the internet was truly going to change people's lives and how we consume things, uh, and you know you can or basically get anything delivered to your door nowadays. So that that's why it's and with being able to get next day shipping, all that stuff. And you not having to see the ugly side of it nowadays, like it's 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 there and. People are conditioned, and I get it. Like you're paying two grand or something for a bike, and you've waited uh, longer than what it was uh, originally projected to to get your item. Like I'd be pissed too, especially like for the holidays, right? People, no, that's the one thing a lot of these companies use as a selling tactic is, oh, get it, get it before December twenty first. Oh, it's not too late to order your Christmas gift. You can get it by December twenty third. We'll get it to you uh, at exactly eleven fifty eight. Um. 1158 Christmas Eve before his Christmas Day so your fucking grandpa can open his favorite peanuts that he remembered from the Korean War. Like, it, it's it's like, it's come on, dude. Like, yeah. People, people have gotten too too conditioned with that. And I, I and that's the problem, right? Like, I, I like to order it for Amazon because I know it's like, do I need this thing right away? It'd be nice. And then, yeah, you get it from there. As much as you want to help local and all that stuff, you can, but like... Man, they it's hard it's hard they they made a hell of a product by just using those delivery times and Well, I like to order my manga from Amazon, so it's like I like for the fact that it's convenience. And and that's the ultimate thing. And that's the ultimate thing in the market is convenience. This is why we get things. Convenience. Man, it's currently right now lives. I thought it was recording, I'm actually waiting for my manga orders yeah, you just be delivered so right like, now. <laughs> and you can see it on there, right? There's somebody who and you can see the, the kind of the whole trail of what it's gonna be. There's some um, somebody who brought that up. A different point was because um, as there's other people commenting on this article, they stated how it's kind of similar to um, uh, somebody said, "How come we have we can see how we can track or exactly where our food is coming from as far as like when we order Uber Eats or DoorDash and all that stuff? Like they can track that. Why can't we do that for other pieces of things like furniture and stuff? These like like these companies. Uh, it's like why is um, bulk shipping?" Go, you know, going from one warehouse to another. How come that hasn't been innovated or utilizing these type of technologies? It's like, they need to catch up. We always get these excuses. Or same thing with cable companies. I was like, oh, we're going to be at your place in between the hours of 12 and 4, but you work at 9 to 5 and you can't be at home. I mean, these days it's different. But, like, if you work at our office, you have to physically be there, and this person's here to install something in your house, but you can't because you have to work. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. It's, and it, 
<coughs> excuse me, you can't control those hours. It's always them setting it. So you got to be very lucky and plan according with that. But it, it, that person raises a good point. I, I can't remember where I, where I found it, but she raised, raised a very good point on that and how people need to understand, like, that they, they'll use and implement these technologies once we pull our dollar away. So it, it just calls for innovation. That's a big gap. And there's companies who are out there innovating, helping these out, partnering with other major label brands to, to use this technology to an advantage. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of executives out here who don't want to, what is it, if it ain't broke, they'll fix it kind mm -hmm. of deal. But when you're running a business, you have to adapt, 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 adapt. You have to continuously innovate. It's not every day you have to at least do something to benefit your business or to benefit yourself and to invest in yourself. Something. So, with in regards to Peloton being getting a very boost, big boost in popularity, I've known about them for a while now. It's just like I never thought that. It's funny, man. Viral culture is, is wild, and and to see that happen during a pandemic is kind of unique and. Jeez, I wish I had stock in them. It's a lot of money they raised, but this couldn't hit them. This could hurt them right now, but I feel like as we progress and, and everything kind of gets back into the shift of things, I think they'll be able to recover from this. I feel like this is just like a like a social media PR thing that they have to deal with. But um, other than that, no, I don't really have much. The only thing I wanted to share was that the China thing, how they were talking about the Uyghurs and how USA is I just saw like something right now that... Right now, just like and I want, I went back in combo.com because they do like breaking news stuff. Um, I don't remember. Remember, like, was it, like last year or a year? I think it was last year. Remember we did the episode on Tiger King. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, um, yeah, apparently, um, just put an article right now. It says here, just from combo.com, was written by Nicole Drum. Give her credit, and she's saying here with Tuesday being Donald Trump's last full day at office. It expected that the outgoing president will hand out many pardons. And Tyre King's Joe Exotic's legal team is certain that he'll be among those that have a limo waiting near to where Exotic is being held in a Texas prison. They also lined up a glam squad for Exotic plans for a celebration and have already filmed a video thanking Trump for freeing Exotic. What? Private investigator Glove shared that the team's plans are metro.co.uk telling the outlet that they are really in action mode right now. A love says here, and I quote, This time tomorrow, we're going to be celebrating, love explained on Monday. We have good reason to believe that we'll come through. We're confident that we already have a limousine parked about half a mile from the prison. We are really in action mode right now. Love said that they have a team ready to take care of exotic source for business, getting his hair done. Very <laughs> love says here in the article that I got I got makeup, wardrobe, the whole unit will, that will come out. The first thing Joe wants to do, he wants his hair done. He hasn't had his hair done in two and a half years. That's the first order of business. Then we'll probably get some pizza, steak, and maybe a McRib. Pizza, steak, and a McRib. So his real name, Joseph Maldonado Passage. Quest for a pardon from the president has been ongoing for some time, with Trump previously made aware of exotic pardon hopes back in April 2020. Exotic was convicted in 2019 on 17 federal charges of animal abuse and two counts of attempted murder for hire and is currently serving a 22-year sentence in federal prison. In September, the Department of Justice Office put a pardon in the exotic's application for a presidential pardon on the grounds that he failed to meet a standard for submission. Specifically, that no petition for a pardon should be filed until the expiration of a waiting period of at least five years after the release date of the petitioner from confinement. So that's why right now he's hoping that he gets a pardon, but so far, 
Hasn't said anything. I seen anybody. I'm, I'm sure that would be on a breaking news already if he had if he had went out, out into the press and, and started pardoning people because they did that shit in the public. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised. I mean, it's still early in the day. It's still have time. But I, I, if he hasn't done it by now, I highly doubt this going to happen. Um, wow. I can't believe that guy's still relevant for that shit. <laughs> Yeah, hey man, hey, I can't I can't break a spirit with that one. I, I give him kudos for remaining committed, and damn, to get a limo ready to pick you up after, it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, like I said, technically we're still like, because like I said, Joe hasn't been announced, had been sworn in. No, he's just gonna be in jail. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, that's not gonna happen. Nah. Um. Right now, it's right now as we're recording, I'm watching this uh, VTuber playing Skyrim, <laughs> so. If you ever check out VTubers, um, definitely check out the Hollow Live English VTubers. If you know what Hollow Live is, um, I think if you if you listen to Trash Taste, which is one of my favorite podcasts I listen to as well, um, they talked about VTubers. Um, basically, are these Japanese, you know, V character like people that portray VTubers online and do different things. So I do like about this particular ones. Um, they're English. They're the first Hollow Live English VTubers. They have a different language. They have a, China, a Chinese division, Japan division, of course, is the original, and this is the English division. So, these actresses they get to portray these characters to do a real job with the English and stuff, too. So, they're into good, speak really good English. Um, and they do like a lot of compilations with their counterpart, counterparts, and they'll have ones where they'll play video games, or they'll do QAs. I think one of them, Kai Pimori, she does music. Um, the one I'm watching right now. Is with um, Gura Guar and Guagura, and right now she's playing Skyrim. She looks like uh, to describe her, she's kind of like she describes herself as being an Atlantean, being like so many years old that she's part shark, <laughs> but she loves food. <laughs> but they do these different things where they play video games, they do collaborations with their. Hall Life counterparts. And there's different ones. There's Amelia Watson. There's um, Inais. Um, there's Takahashi. Kaipi War is kind of the popular one because um, she does music. She'll do like karaoke sessions. Um, she'll do like music. Like she'll do hip hop. She likes hip hop and stuff. I think she was on the Trash Taste podcast last year where they asked her about, you know, being a VTuber and stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, it's like one of the biggest trends right now online is like, you know, game streaming. It's still a big thing, especially um, if you haven't been on Twitch lately. I'm on Twitch, but I've been noticing Twitch has the whole DMCA thing going on right now. And I think they kind of ban certain words you can't say on Twitch anymore. Like uh-huh. a list of words you can't say. I think, I don't know if I'm not behind the trends. You ever heard of PogChamp? Of what? The term PogChamp. Uh, no, I know what pogs are. But not, no, I know. Okay, because I this has been thing about it. They changed the emote or something about it. I'm not gonna get into detail because something I'm not aware of. I stream JRPG, so it's like I never say those words and stuff. But I've been hearing that a lot of channels get taken out for copyright, like they're following going at DMCA. So, but I think I've seen like if you follow like the Twitch subreddit, these people online are actually they made these like royalty free music for people on Twitch to use so they don't get knocked out for like copyright but it's a but there's things like I think if you stream Cyberpunk what I like about Cyberpunk is they have an option if you're streaming a game you can go into game settings where it'll change all the music all the copyright music to like royalty free music so you don't get docked for copyright music yeah Yeah. and there's some games where now it's like they'll let you stream more so that's why right now I've been 
right now I've been playing this like JRPG right now. That's um that lets me stream the whole thing. Well, actually, actually, shows like anime cutscenes. So, because sometimes if you play like a PS4, it'll say this portion has been blocked, but then recording has resumed. But here it's like it's been lately. They've been allowing it more because Twitch has been. Because like I said, Twitch is one of the biggest streaming platforms ever since you know Mixer was shut down by Microsoft. You only got that and YouTube. So, those are the big ones out there. But, yeah. Um, I don't think I got anything else. But let me go through and see if there's anything else that's breaking news right now. But I seem besides the Tiger King one, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see anything else here. That, um, that's coming up right now. Disney releases first look at Top Holland and Web Cylinders as part of Adventure for Adventure Campus. Okay. I'm trying to see what else is here. Okay. Oh, oh here we go. I know we were talking about Corporate Kai earlier in the episode. Um, apparently, Saved by the Bell revival renewed for season two. Oh, wow. So I guess it's, um, let's see. Let's see here. It's time to head back to Bayside. Okay, article is written by Charlie Ridgely on comicbook.com. It's time to head back to Bayside as the popular Saved by the Bell revival series game on a go-round at Peacock. That costume was brought back this past year with the first season of its revival series debuting on Peacock streaming service. Zach Morris, Jesse Spanos, and Slater Lisa Turtle, Cut Classical, return from the new series, which follows a younger generation of lead characters. Peacock officially announced a renewal saved by the Bell on Tuesday morning, confirming that the popper reboot will return. Grubhub perks give you deals here. on all the foods that make you want to wiggle. That pretty much all. Um, the series has been a hit with fans ever since its 2020 debut. So people are freaking out. Um, when it comes to that point, I think I saw something this weekend. Um, Dustin Diamond was hospitalized, and it he has revealed that he has cancer. And people are asking if they ever reached if they're gonna reach out to him to make an appearance. I know they mentioned his character Screech in the show. That he's doing something, but they, he said that they haven't called him yet. But it, through his representatives, that he's currently he has cancer. I don't know what stage is that, but. I guess he's recently hospitalized. Um, I haven't seen the revival. I have Peacock, but I have the free one. I think you, know, you can only watch like the first two episodes of it. So, so definitely check out Save My Bell the reboot. It looks more based on what the trailer is. It doesn't fall. I mean, yeah, you see AC Slater and stuff, but what I like about it is it's not like filming a sound stage. You know, kind of like in front of a live audience type of feel. It's more like multi-camera esque, almost like a dramatic almost. But it looks good. I mean, uh, it's, it looks like it, it it got like enough like viewership to the point there it got renewed for a second season. So congratulations to the cast crew of Saved by the Bell. So I'm surprised. another one that seems to be working, but also I guess people still like that. So I wouldn't be. I'm not surprised if people are still tuning into it. All right. I think that should just wrap it up for the week, guys. Um, definitely, uh, we'll, we'll have probably something more for you guys next week. We are approaching episode 100 of the podcast. We'll have something special for then. If you guys have any suggestions or something you want us to talk about for episode 100 for a big episode, um, 
definitely tweet us on Twitter. You can also follow us there as well. It's our Twitter handle is our Twitter handle is at Pop Talking. You can tweet us there using the hashtag Pop One Hundred. Tell us know what you want us to talk about on that upcoming one hundred episode. We're still look, waiting for suggestions. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash talkingpop. Um, you can follow us on there as well. Um, guys, we also want to announce that we also are available on Pandora. For people that have Pandora, you can listen to Talk Pop on there as well. Um, that's great news. Um, we also on our Heart Radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You know, we also want to thank our main sponsor, Anchor, for having us on their platform as well. Um, giving us opportunity to just be on other platforms. Um, we do have merch, guys. We got actual face masks now with our podcast logo on there as well. You can check it out on teespring.com. Search for Talking Pop under the search bar. We'll link you to our storefront. We get new shirts, we new designs. Um, I might be considering working on a new logo for Talking Pop. I'm still thinking about it, or something, maybe a design of a new t shirt to celebrate up the 100 episode. If you guys are interested in that, make sure, like I said, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Like I said, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast as well. You know, just your listenership is doing really well. Like, listenership is doing really well for us. Uh, we've been doing it for three years. We're about to do three years this year. Um, like I said, we're a few episodes away from 100. Um, we also want to thank our international listeners as well for checking out our podcast. And like I said, make sure to check out our backlog of episodes. And like I said, take care, you guys. Take care of yourselves. Be going. Any last messages before we sign off? Um, wash your hands. Stay clean out there. We're not over. It's not over yet. It's and, uh, Trump. <laughs> Sayonara, Trump. <laughs> and if you guys wear a mask, please. Um, there's cool designs I saw out there now. Yeah, I saw one from by Razor. Apparently, made a smart mask now. Of course. <laughs> that's funny but um yeah definitely guys if you have, like I said once again if you have any suggestions for our 100 episode make sure to leave us a tweet make sure to tweet us follow us you know leave a message on the Facebook page as well thank you so much for joining us this week uh, we'll see you again next week be safe mask up as always geek on and take care Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise of Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, whatever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.